I'd never do well in a big church without having 20 people around me babysitting me and telling me what to do all the time. <laughs> and you know how much I like that. So anyways, it was 1982, 40 years ago. I was saved in 81, my wife and I the same day in 1981. 1982, I already knew that God had placed a calling on my life, but I didn't know how that was going to work out. And I, I needed a little confirmation along the way. Young Christians need that. And 1982, my pastor, when he, when I told him, I said, I'm going into ministry, he, he was beside himself happy. And he says, oh, he says, I am encouraged. And so what came out of that was maybe a week later, he invites me to a youth rally here in this church, 1982. Okay, 1982, long time ago, 40 years ago. And as we were sitting, I, can, I can't look at this chair arrangement, but we were sitting right about here. I was sitting next to my pastor. I loved him. I respected him. I just almost adored the man. I'm, and, and to this day, I know he's having a good time in heaven. His name was Harold May, Pastor May from Petoskey Assembly of God. And he was sitting next to me, and he, and, and the young man of God that was preaching up here, I can't tell you who he was, but my pastor, he gives me an elbow, and he leans over into my ear, and he says, I see you up there. Here in Charlevoix. I see you on that platform up there. I thought he was just talking about being a youth pastor. Because I knew that that's what the Lord had for me right away. Two years later. Same church. Another youth rally. I brought a van load of. 25 kids in a 20 passenger van. We didn't need seatbelts back then. We had them everywhere in that big Dodge Maxi van. And we come up, we pull up, all the kids are coming in. We all sit together as a group. And I wanted to find all the youth pastors that were there because we would get together and we would pray. And by this time, two years later, I'm into the youth pastorate and and had a had a, a clear pathway for my life, I thought. And all I needed to know at that time, and I got with the other, there were two other, two other uh, youth pastors that were there. One of them was this, no, they were senior pastors, but they, senior pastors loved their kids and would bring them, you know. And, and so I greatly looked up to these young men of God. One of them, you know very well. And, uh, and we got together, and, and one of them's eyes was really big. And he says, I just got a call from our youth evangelist for the night. He thought that tonight's youth rally was in Kalkaska. And I said, so he's going to be late? He says, no, he told me he's not coming at all, at all. Now, that shocked me. I thought, you know, he could get here in enough time. We haven't even started worship yet. We could do plenty of youth ministry because just to wait for him, but nope, he wasn't coming. 
And all I could do is, I, I tripped on it. I tripped on it. I just, boom, in my heart. <laughs> and so, so we're all looking at each other, going, okay, who's going to preach tonight? You know, we're all thinking the same thing at the same moment. One of them says, I'm leading in worship. I'm not doing the whole thing. The other one says, I didn't bring my Bible. I don't have any of my notes. And so they both looked at me. Remember what my pastor had prophesied to me two years prior to that. I was not thinking about that until the following Monday. But he said, those two brothers looked at me and I said, well, guys, I'll tell you what, in all of this hurried up business, I have forgotten my Bible. I just plain forgot it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I take it everywhere I go, but I'll tell you what, brothers, one of you, one of you scare me up a Bible. I will go in a room back here where it's dark and just leave me be alone for a while. And so that's what I did. And I came out and I preached. And one of the brothers came up to me afterwards and he says, he says, you preached extemporaneously. And I just kind of smiled because I didn't know what that word meant. It means on the spot with no prior preparation. And that was in 19... 84. It was in 1984. And so I'm sitting in the chair this morning. I'm going, oh God, guess what? How many years from 84 to this morning? And so I just, I just grinned ear to ear and I told my wife, I said, that scripture that Paul told Timothy about being instant in season and out, what that really means to me is it's okay to be out of season now and then. Just be ready. And so I said, Lord, you know, and I came in. So I want to bring to you a word for this season. And this is Isaiah chapter 6. And in verse 1, it starts out, In the year that King Uzziah died. This is verse 5. But verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then he describes the angelic host that was just flocked around, encircling the throne, crying out, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And here's Uzziah standing there, And I can only guess that he was stunned because of the words that came next. But I just wanted to tell you that there was a transition going on in his life. A big transition. And that transition was this. He was a prophet to the king and the king died. Who in the world are you going to minister to? And sometimes the Lord takes you from this ministry to this ministry, to this location, to this location. 
Such has been my life. And sometimes very quickly, a year and a half in this spot, two years in this spot, seven years in this spot, and then moving on to another place. And I knew brothers, my colleagues would look at me and say, Rip, how do you do this? And I knew that they weren't looking at me thinking, man, you must be a bad pastor that, that they just run you out every place you go or you quit everywhere you go. And I would tell some of them, how about the Lord lead me is why I go. You all be fighting to stay in one spot too long because it's comfortable. And I had a very godly woman tell me back in 1986 when we were leaving Petoskey to hit the mission field, 1986, before we were sent downstate to minister in a very foreign place. She said, I suppose any place where you get comfortable in ministry, you have outgrown it. And I said, thank you. Finally, something made sense. And so here's Uzziah. He's feeling the world shift. Because in that same year, maybe a number of months went by and he was seeking God and his king was gone and who who else is going to take the throne? And all of Israel, who's going to take the throne? What's he going to be like? And here's Uzziah, the prophet to the king. And all of a sudden he gets taken up to heaven. And after seeing what he saw... In the previous four verses described, he said, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. And here's the reason why. I think the presence of God is a wonderful thing. I love the presence of God. I seek for more of His glory, more of His power, more of His presence on my life. He was feeling undone because something was undone in his life. He said, I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Glory to his wonderful name. He was undone. Undone. He needed purification. And this is at the point where he saw an angel take a burning coal from the altar of God. Touched it to his lips. And then comes the great missions call that we hear missionaries preach. Here I am, Lord, send me. Who do we send? The angelic host. Who do we send? The triune God. Elohim. Who do we send? And that was not, that was a rhetorical question to test the purification and to test the response of Isaiah. Do you see that? Who do we send? I don't think there's any hesitation. Isaiah said, send me, Lord. Send me. 
over the past several weeks, I have had, actually started last summer, but just over the last, starting it last summer, I felt like I was hardening my heart towards people in general, public in general. And you know, if you don't like to, to run into people you know all the time, this is the wrong place to live. You're going to be miserable. People know you. All of your failures, all of your weaknesses, and then all of the misunderstandings that they have developed in their own infinite minds. <laughs> right. And that's why it is good to know that you are where you belong in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because then you don't have to put up with it. You shouldn't put up with it anyway. You live as unto God. Your life is not your own. And so, over the past three, starting last year, I I said, God, if I had not gone downtown to that fall festival, I wouldn't have run into somebody that was very precious to me. And we built some memories together after that. And so just recently, I'm, I'm kind of testing that a little bit, Lord. What do you want me to do with this word that you gave me? Lord, you prepared my heart now. What, what do you want to do? And I tell you, folks, sometimes the Lord has you do just silly, crazy, stupid things. But it's because people, good people, their hearts are getting hard, just like mine was toward people. And you know, that is a devilish thing to get people to want to stay inside and do nothing and not go out into public because you are a city on a hill. You are a light in the dark places. You are sent to places to interrupt, to interdict the enemy movement in that area. God will send you there. And sometimes you don't even have to share a word of the Lord. People know it and they take notice. So it all started about three weeks ago. Yeah, about three weeks ago. I went to Walmart and it was Christmas time. And I'm, I'm going down as usual. You know what aisle I go down. It's where all the fishing lures are. I'm, I'm going down there and I'm getting ready for, for ice fishing. You know, it's a whole different kind of fishing, as you know. It's not just cold. It's just different. And so <laughs> I'm there and there's women down the aisle. I mean, a mass of Ladies standing there, and you know what they're all doing? The same thing. They're staring at the wall of lures. And as soon as I came around the corner, I thought, they're in my way. No, Rep, they're not. They're there for a purpose. And so I walked up there, and I got my, you know, the shy heart that had to go. And I said... I said, where else? I said, it certainly must be Christmas time to come down this section of Walmart and see this many women at one time looking at lures. And they all looked at me then. It's like, who is this guy? Well, I've got my camo hat on. They know I'm not a Walmart worker. And I just made a comment. I can all tell that you, I said, you are looking for lures for the men in your life that you care for, right? Mm-hmm. I said, I want to help you with that. I said, do you have any questions? I'm an avid fisherman. 
I know how to catch fish. I go to places and catch fish. I know what lures work and what doesn't. I said, now you're trying to get them ready for ice fishing, right? Uh-huh. And I said, that's a whole nother ball game there. Well, could I use this? What do I? And all of a sudden, I had a conference going on with all of those women. The craziest thing I ever done. And I walked away smiling, and they all thanked me. I said, God bless you. They knew I was a godly man. And they also knew that I must have been a little crazy. But I walked away, okay? Then another time, this is just the other day. I haven't told anybody this, so y'all hear this fresh and first time here. So um, I was at a family fair in Boyne City. And being at family fair in Boyne City, getting groceries, it was on Friday before this weekend, you know, everybody's shopping. I mean, that place was busy. And if you weren't careful, you're going to get hit by a cart. Not on the parking lot. I mean, right there in the store, you could get wet. So I'm like, before I go any further, well, I get in line, and I, and when I have that, we go about once a month, and I, I had a once a month load, and I'm coming up, and I thought, oh man, the line with the cashier was full. There were four people in front of me. No, three, excuse me. I want to be accurate about this. There were three Three customers in front of me, and there was no bagger. None. And this lady, cashier, she'd beep, and then she'd turn around, walk over here, put it in the bag, another step, beep. And I looked at the full cart here, and I looked at the full cart there, and then the one that she's working on. And I'm going, oh, man, can't have this. And so I parked my cart as close as I could to stay in line with it. And I took my phone, tucked it in my pocket, and got ready. And I walked up to the end of the line where the bagger stands. And I said, ma'am, I said, I'm going to bag for you. I said, do you mind? She goes, are you kidding me? I said, I'm glad to. I said, I'm, the, I'm like the, the fourth guy back there. And I'll do anything to help you along. And so I said, but I need to ask for the permission of this lady right here. I'm going to be handling her groceries and putting them into bags. I said, ma'am, is that okay with you? She goes, yeah. <laughs> so she got out quicker. Then the next one, sir, do you mind if I bag your things? No, not at all. And they're all like, and then the next one, and then finally, I ran around, pushed my cart forward so other people could come up behind me. And as soon as I got up there, her bagger got off lunch break and was at the end. And I looked at that young man, and I said, I almost stole your job. And I looked at him and smiled. I said, not a chance. I'm glad you're here. And as usual, God bless you when I leave. And I, and I say it meaningfully and with an anointing attached to it. There are things that you can do to cheer up this really bad, wicked, dark world we live in. But I've got some things to pay attention to here this morning. My eyes have been on preachers ever since I can remember. Like as a teenager. I grew up in a town that had a really bad couple years 
this pastor ran off with this pastor's wife. This pastor's wife ran off with this pastor. Another pastor was up on allegations of molesting boys. Allegations, I say. And all of this was going on, and another pastor, another pastor of that same town, I had to ask somebody just the other day, I said, what church did he belong to, this guy? And then she just gave the whole story. Well, it turns out that this pastor was, he cussed. He was on a tractor doing heavy equipment, and he's sitting there, and I heard him say a word. It's like, I thought he was a pastor. When I hear a Christian cuss, I don't say, oh, they're having a bad day. Maybe they're having a really good day, and they just breathe casually such words. This word from Isaiah came to me. That before he could get sent to do anything that God wanted him to do, including God's will, especially God's will, in fact, totally God's will, he had to have his lips cleansed. And this is what I've said all along. If you, if, to you, it's, it, it might not be cussing. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go and use that language in church? Oh, no, that's wrong. I... By your own mouth, you are convicted. You might find another Christian, so-called, that you are at the same level with, and you cuss together every now and then, big deal. Well, you do it, I can. I worked in a place that was the most foul-mouthed place you ever heard. It was a garage. Auto service. I can't tell you every sentence talked, spoken. I had to do everything I could do because I was hearing it, not to have any of it lodge here and me casually speak it. Why? Because the Lord sent me there on a mission. I wanted people to know that I serve the Lord. You know the first thing, when people do not hear you cussing, you know the first thing they think of? First of all, they're convicted. Because only a Christian shouldn't be swearing. And by my one worker, who's a believer, I hired him on, I trained him. He was just talking about people one day and and he says, yeah, he says this one guy, he's a, he's a really, he's a really good Christian and And I looked at him and I said, is there another kind? Is there another kind? You cannot pray and ask God for blessings when you go walk away and you use cursings to represent His great name. Ah, I have anguish in my heart over these things. Well, but everybody uses that language. Let it be far from you. Far from you. Here's my point about the pastor that I heard cussing. 
It brought confusion to me. I wasn't saved. It just brought confusion to me. It made me feel kind of good that maybe I could swear too. <laughs> I didn't need him to give me permission. I had plenty of that going on. I was an Isaiah case when I met Jesus. It's confusing. Fast forward several years, a few decades in the Lord, and I hear of two local pastors sitting at the weather vane, sipping on whiskey with big cigars. You know, that was a cool thing back then, to be cigar smoking. Well, I guess it was cool to them to be a cigar smoking pastor with some Jack Daniels or whatever it was. I'm serious. God help us. Another local pastor, a different one, walking out of Rite Aid carrying a case of beer for the weekend. That's confusing to the unsaved. And you do more to hurt the cause of Christ, and you can't come in on a Sunday morning hoping that you kind of kind of weigh out the balance, you know, to just offset the sin from the weak. When Isaiah, who was a holy man of God, stood before the Lord, don't try to justify it. He wasn't, he didn't just stroll in, you know, and going, yeah, I'm doing okay, man. I'm, I'm cool. Hey, Lord, how you doing? I'm cool. He would have been mocking God. Mocking. Using unclean language that you would not speak in church. You use that language out there. It's mocking God and His holy life for you. God help us. God help us. Larry, would you turn to, now that I've stirred the pot a little bit here, turn uh, with me to uh, put up uh, first... John 3, 2. Let's go over into 1 John. John was Jesus' beloved. Dear friends, now we are children of God. Now. Now. Are you born again? You are born of the Spirit. And what we will be has not yet been made known. In other words, we're waiting for something, aren't we? But we know when that Christ appears, we will be like Him. I hope we work on that a little bit down here. More on that in a coming coming screen picture here. But it says, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as he is. Larry, is there a, another one that you had uh, just behind this one? Not scripture, I mean uh, verse. If not, I'll, I'll read it from here. Keep that in mind if you don't. Just leave that up there. 
I want to read the rest of this. Unless you had the rest of it. Now remember, people, I am instant in season and out. And this morning I was a little out of season. You ought to see me when I'm in season, right? Okay. We all will see him as he is. Oh, here's the next verse. Verse 3. All who have this hope in him. What you're reading right here. All who have this hope in him do what? Who? Themselves. Purify themselves. Who has saved you and cleansed you from sin? Jesus. Then what in the world is he talking about? Take a wild flying guess. Simple. Sanctification, people. That old Holy Ghost church preaching. Sanctification has two works to it. The first one is you are sanctified as in saved. The second one is the being saved, being cleansed, being continually sanctified. This is, it says, purify themselves. You remember the foot washing in the Gospels where, where Peter says, Oh, Lord, uh, not, if you're going to wash my feet, wash all of me. And the Lord says, Peter, you are clean. Just your feet are dirty. When we walk through this world, and you've, I preached on this several months ago, earlier this past year, is, is that we go through this world, we need to cleanse ourselves. The cleansing that takes place is a ceremonial cleansing. We were not ceremonial cleansed at the cross. That's salvation. That would be like saying that if the ceremonial cleansing of the high priests and and all of those that came together at the festivals of the Lord, that the cleansing that took place there, you'd have to say to all of them, they were unclean. No, they weren't. They just needed their foot washing, so to speak. They had to cleanse themselves to be approachable, that they may even approach the Lord in worship. All who have this hope that when we see Him, we will know Him because we will be like Him. And if you have that hope in you, I sure do. Purify yourself. About 45 years ago, David Wilkerson put out a book called The Vision. Do you know David Wilkerson, who he was? Crossing the switchblade? I know some of y'all, that's a long time ago, but... If you try to get that off Amazon now, it's probably about a 60 or 70 or $100 book. The vision was about prophecy of the coming near future. And one of the chapters in there is is that he talked about, and I think it's about 75, 76, 77 when it came out. And um, he wrote, uh, and I say it was that far back because it was before um, HBO. HBO was the first one to come on to cable. And he prophesied 
that there is a coming flood of filth. Oh my, if he only knew what's going on today. The things that we see on normal, everyday TV are things that will pull you away from God and bring you into a place of needing purification and cleansing, foot washing. People, how are we going to survive this? How are we going to survive this flood of filth? I've never seen this. I when we all talked about back in the, in 1981 and 82, I talked with I worked with a group of Christians. We were all uh, electricians, and one of them was a Holy Ghost guy like me, and another guy was a Catholic, and another guy was Jehovah Witness. Man, we had some interesting times. Well, he's not Jehovah Witness anymore. Glory to God. But anyways, we we gloried in being in the last days. We were looking for who the Antichrist was and when he was going to show up. And the one thing that we forgot is what happened before the Antichrist shows up. You know what it is? That mu- what first must take place before the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, is revealed? The great falling away. Do you suppose that maybe I'm not crazy for saying that we're in a great falling away today? Be pretty stupid to think we're not. You have to be theologically and eschatologically locked into some kind of head-in-the-sand belief to say that we are not in the great falling away. It's never been this bad, ever, ever, ever. Not in the 65 years that I have been alive. I have never seen it like this and happen quickly. Maranatha. Would you stand with me, please? Just close your eyes and shut yourself in with the Lord.
my prayer and the blessing I put upon you this morning that you receive the cleansing of the Lord and take upon yourself to purify yourself in the ceremonial sense of preparing yourself to come into the presence of God and to receive from the Lord and from His throne His Word and His hand. I pray, go in God's blessings this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.